What's up, everybody? Phantom Radio Podcast on RadioCharlotte.com. It's Ren, and tonight is going to blow your mind. Let me tell you, I've been wanting to talk to this person for quite a while. I really appreciate her taking the time to do this. She's got a degree in physics from UC Berkeley, Doctor of Divinity. She has an MBA, a best-selling author with several fascinating books. The website is called RealityShifters.com, and she is an expert in what we're talking about tonight which is the Mandela Effect. Miss Cynthia Sue Larson. Cynthia, how are you? Hi, great. Good to hear your voice. Yeah, absolutely. Good to talk to you. I appreciate you taking the time. How are things in Berkeley now? Are things starting to, to kind of get back to somewhat of a normal routine, opening back up with the whole COVID thing? A little thing? bit. Yeah. Yeah, things, I don't know. I think what's happening is there's um, some things are opening, but there's some hesitation and skepticism, right. if you will, because yeah. we're heading into the winter. California is doing pretty well, but... Yeah. So there's a lot of information to cover here. I was telling you just a few minutes ago that uh, I had made so many pages of notes, I had to get rid of two-thirds of them. Otherwise, we'll be on here for three hours. So what I want to do is start with your childhood and the experiences that you've had because I feel it's a really good foundation for for your journey, for your life, for your work. And this is something I can relate to and something that really fascinated me. And Another reason I wanted to talk to you. When you were a kid, you came into this world with kind of a knowing. Uh, they say that we come into this world kind of with a clean slate. We really don't remember who we are, where we come from, the gifts and abilities we have, but you came into this world, you were still connected pretty much. Yes, and I didn't know just how different that was. Well, I sort of knew right away mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in a sense. like I didn't think I belonged here, actually, right. so I felt like it was seriously wrong, but there was an angelic intervention, if you will, right. where I basically had decided, okay, I'm going back to where I came from. And it's funny when you finally feel like, okay, I can get back to where everything's so good. Mm-hmm. But then I had, it wasn't a change of mind exactly. I just felt like, let's just enjoy the family for a few more days. Right. And right when I'd made that choice, I guess the angels knew how serious I was. And yeah. perhaps that's what caused time to slow down. I was walking down the hall, and it completely stopped when I walked in my bedroom door. And there are all, all these beautiful, bright, wow. glowing, lit-up um, beings. They gave me choices, but I don't think angels play fair. I think the mm-hmm. way they word questions is kind of everything's tilted slightly. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah. that's a good thing. It's, it's all good. I didn't feel manipulated. Yeah. It was, they were just reminding me of some important things. Right. Yeah. You came into this world, you were, you were aware of consciousness. And right. it's it's like, you know, consciousness being conscious of itself. Yes, absolutely. And that each of us is a very cognizant component of it that mm-hmm. we have. I really felt like I had my own identity. When I hear people say we're all one, well, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like we're connected. I, I Between lives, I was definitely still had my own sense of identity. Right. I didn't feel like I was God. I would never have said that. Like, oh, I am God. No, no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's ridiculous. But at the same time, I feel like that's the main reality. So that part I do agree with. And Mm -hmm. I know when you get into theological discussions, it can get pretty hairy and people have strong opinions. So I'm just describing what I remember. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not trying to upset any apple carts. Right, right. No, completely understand. Um, 
like I said, I can I can relate uh, as a kid. There were a lot of these, I guess, gifts that uh, that I kind of shared too, and that's why when I when I was hearing your story, I watched a couple of interviews, and you were talking about your childhood and some of the experiences you had, and and the abilities or gifts that really we all have. We just kind of forget about it, but you had access, you were aware of them, and had access to them. Kind of like you know, seeing auras and feeling energy yeah. in people. That uh, something yeah. I, I remember as well. Also, finding things which I don't mm-hmm. think people nice as being a skill, but I don't think it's just finding them. I think perhaps it's actually teleporting or moving them. Right, <laughs> you know, right. like, well, here it is. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I was really good at that. My dad would lose things in the carpet or the floor, mm-hmm. and no problem. Or outdoors in the grass. Goodness. Right. No problem. <laughs> Always knew where it was. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, and I think there's something to it. Now I really definitely do. But back then it just seemed, my whole family thought, well, you're just good at finding things. But they knew something was a bit odd. Right. <laughs> you know, like, what are the odds of finding something that small? You know, it's like a needle in a haystack every time. And your parents really kind of accepted that and encouraged you, right? Well, up to a point. I mm-hmm. mean, right. I, I, like if I'm in the back, it works best if I was in the background. My dad's trying to fix a car or mm-hmm. it won't start. It was back in the days when cars didn't start every time. Right. And people don't understand that, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was a thing <laughs> for sure. So he'd be turning the key in the ignition, and it would go, rrr, 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 mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and I think, oh, this is not good. So I just give it a little boost of energy, and it would definitely start. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then, think, but the things that seemed um, over the top would be like when I was looking at the rain outside the windows in the mm-hmm. living room, just looking at the garden, and I would think, stop rain, it would stop instantly. Start, it would start. Stop, right. start. Stop, it was fun. I thought, okay, I'll go show this to my mom. That was not cool. That was not cool. <laughs> she's like, okay. But she sort of crossed her arms, and you know, she had that look on her face, uh-huh. like, hmm. And so it did not work. <laughs> when I was watching that uh, interview with you and Regina Meredith, you were talking about that, kind of playing with the rain, and I physically stood up from the couch I was sitting on because I had that experience, too, when I was a kid. And I've never heard anybody anywhere ever mention that kind of thing. I could uh, be outside playing, and the rain would come. My mom might even, you know, shout out the window or out the door, hey, come inside, it's about to rain, and I, don't worry, I'm not going to get wet. And the rain would be falling. You could see it, you know, about 30 feet away from me, even on both sides, but where I was would never get wet. Right. And I would come inside, and uh, my mom would have a towel ready for me or something or uh, some dry clothes, and I wasn't wet at all, and she couldn't figure out why, but it was normal to me, you know. Right, right. No, I get it. Yeah, exactly. And then that came back to me later in life. But mm-hmm. it seems like well, what I noticed when my mother was right there with me and I was trying to demonstrate mm-hmm. this phenomenon, that's when I noticed, okay, there needs to be a shared community. And people observing this or participating in the observation of it right. need to be on board with the belief that this is doable. Right. Otherwise, it, it isn't. Very interesting. Right. It explains a lot about what's going on here. That's very true. <laughs> Later in life, it, it kind of came back to me, too. It was back in, I think, uh, June of 2017. I was leaving work for the day, my team and I, and we got to the, the front door of the office building, and it was just a monsoon. It was raining so hard, and, of course, we had all parked way on the other side of the parking lot. Now, I was uh, that was my last day of work before a two-week vacation. I was about to fly over to uh, Sweden for a couple of weeks, and you know that feeling. You're in a good mood, full of joy. Nothing can bring you down. Hey, I'm on vacation starting right now. So I'm filled with this uh, this really positive energy and more joking around than anything. I said, that's okay. I got this. Don't worry. And I put my hands up at a 45 degree angle and slowly moved my hands down. 
And when I opened my eyes, the rain had slowed down to just barely a drizzle. And I was just as shocked as they were. We looked at each other. (laughs) I said, hey, you know, I'm good like that. Joking around, of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, But I felt like it was more of a self-serving kind of thing. So I didn't really want to go in that direction with it. That's my take on it, too. Mm -hmm. I would much prefer to go with um, the the understanding that we are all connected and it's better for me not to ever twist things in what I think is my favor because it doesn't benefit all of us together, which therefore does not benefit me. I'm very clear on that. Right. A lot of people have had these similar experiences. I don't think many people talk about it because either one, they don't understand it or they're afraid other people may not understand it and look down on them or judge them for it. What helped you understand and feel more confident about your gifts and experiences? Was it uh, just starting to hear other people's stories and that other people were experiencing it? I just felt, well, actually, at that point, I hadn't heard too many people experiencing Mm -hmm. it, too. I I was doing well if I could just get one or two people to acknowledge that they also remembered that the sundial sculpture (laughs) had not been there. Oh, Um, that's right. It was in the uh, Berkeley Marina. It's a place that you and your friends would walk through many, many times before, and now all of a sudden you walk through one day and there's a sundial there. Absolutely. And I recognized that if if these are high-level corporate managers Mm -hmm. working... I worked at Citibank, so did they. Then these are people who are not doing drugs. They're not, um, you know, these are reliable people that anybody would believe. Like, okay, now I need to go public with this because it's not just me in my little bubble of bizarre reality. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is happening. It's a thing. Starting to get some confirmation. Yes. So I think that was when I felt like this is the nudge to go public, even though it's a bit uncomfortable. And that's so wild. You, uh, again, walked through that area with your friends so many times that was never there. And then one day it was. And you talked to the harbor master and they say, yeah, it's been there since I don't know when. It was a gift from a sister city or something like that. But it's been yeah. there forever. But for you, it was the very first time you've ever seen it. Right. And I think it's very meaningful that it is a sundial, which is mm-hmm. representative of both space and time. Right. It's meaningful that at the moment it showed up for us, we had been talking about the topic of reality shifts. I think a lot of people have experienced those kind of things. They usually just just blow it off like, oh, maybe I just didn't remember that right, or maybe I wasn't aware of it before. Sometimes I'll joke around and just say to myself, oh, there's a glitch in the matrix again, you know. But, for example, going into a friend's house, I've been there a hundred times before. I walk in one day, oh, man, I like your new couch. That's that's awesome. When did you get that? And he looks at me confused and it's it's always been there. We've always had that. But that day was the first time I'd ever seen it, you know. Those things happen all the time. They do. And I've just, this, certainly this year, I noticed that there's, a, there's an author, Mary Rose Barrington, mm-hmm. and she um, had been studying this going back into the late 1800s. Yeah, she studied this with the Society of Psychical Research in England, mm-hmm. and she called it just one of those things, or right. jot. Right. So it's been around. It's definitely got a long history. So here's one I found pretty interesting, too, that uh, some may have experienced. Uh, You had a roommate long ago, and your roommate had a cat named Ashes. You and that cat were very, very close, and that became a pretty interesting experience as well. It did, because I moved across the street, oddly enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was living on Cedar Street in Berkeley. So I moved across. I found it was an amazing um, thing to just find a place across the street. Like, yay, I'm moving in, because I was going to get married, and so it was time to move out. Mm -hmm kind of expand the household. And, right. But I still got to visit our cat, Ash, well, her cat, Ashes. I mm-hmm. thought of him as a household right, cat. Yeah. So he would cat come too. and visit. 
Yeah, he was. And so he knew that it was me. He'd come and visit across the street. And then one day, Catherine gave me some bad news that mm-hmm. Ashes had passed away. I hadn't yeah. seen him for a while. She said, well, that's he got hit by a car. Mm. And I was so devastated. She, could, she didn't want to talk about it. It made her cry. Yeah. I was near tears. Yeah. So I thought, okay, let's. But then, um, I, I don't know how long, I can't remember exactly how much longer it was, maybe a week or two mm-hmm. later, I noticed there was ashes, it looked like ashes in my mm-hmm. garden. And I thought, well, maybe it's just a cat that looks like him. Mm-hmm. No, um, he because he looks kind of dirty, mm-hmm. kind of like he hadn't washed properly. Right. Kind of greasy, like, what's going on here? Yeah. But but he seemed uh, friendly, and then I, then I realized this is ashes. Wow. The same exact, you know, age size, color, uh, you know, dirtier, yes, but mm-hmm. the same voice, like you right. meow and purr the same. Right, right. All the same, everything else the same. And I just felt so blessed, like what a godsend. I was taking him for granted, I realized, thinking he'd be around forever. You know how that can mm-hmm. be. I just really enjoyed every last minute with him. I mean, for the remaining months. That right, long. absolutely. And that's so wild. You you talked to your former roommate, and apparently Ashes never died. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, this is one of those strange things where, and that's why it took me a while, because I was noticing these reality shifts in, mm-hmm. basically in the 60s, 70s, 80s. It wasn't until the 1990s that I recognized, no, this really is a thing. And, and then I thought, okay, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've had experiences where... Other people have, I guess, witnessed you shifting a little bit. They have seen you other places when you weren't there. Like uh, you were, I right. think you were at a book signing and you just, you really wanted to be outside in the, the beautiful weather and, but you were inside doing your thing, but people actually saw you somewhere else. Yes. That was a an, uh, very interesting experience. I was indoors wishing I was outdoors. Mm-hmm. It was one of those days where it's like, man, why am I in here? <laughs> and it was. In a little town, um, Pleasant Hill, uh-huh. close to Wall Creek or Concord in California. So there I am, indoors, at a table, looking out the windows, but daydreaming. Because at those things, you're not constantly right. talking to people. Right. There are gaps of time when you really wish you were outside. <laughs> right. so that's what I was doing. I was daydreaming. And in fact, it was such a clear daydream. Uh-huh. I felt like I walked down a particular street in my city. It's Solano. It's a beautiful walking street where pedestrians love to look at the shop. Just a fun place to walk. I pictured I was walking there, and then when I got home from the book event, later that day I got an email from a friend saying, I thought you were at a book signing event. (laughs) I saw you today. You didn't see me. It's like, I waved. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Where did you see me? Was it like, oh my gosh, it was Solano. Right exactly at that moment. That is so wild. I had an experience like that when I was a kid. Um, I had uh, probably early teens. I was grounded for something. I mean, I was a good kid, but, you know, we, we all like to test our boundaries. So uh, I was grounded for something. I really wanted to go to the mall and go to the skateboard shop and get some new wheels for my skateboard. And I'm at home just uh, kind of mad about it. And I decided, well, I can't do anything. I'm just going to take a nap. So um, when I was falling asleep, I was thinking about going to the mall and how much I wanted to and getting these new wheels for my skateboard that I wanted. Uh, a couple hours later, uh, my parents came into my room and they were very angry at me. What were you doing at the mall? We saw you at the mall. We followed you into the skateboard shop. 
and I was grounded for another week. And I said, no, I was, I've been here. I haven't left. And they said, no, we saw you at the mall and you're grounded for another week. I went and got my brother and he uh, corroborated the story and said, no, he's been here the whole time. He hasn't gone anywhere. So that was kind of strange. So I got grounded for something I, I didn't do. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. That's so, but it's also kind of cool. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like that must have made you wonder how did that happen. Did. Yeah, I had another one where mm-hmm. I um I, I didn't want to get out of bed one cold, cold morning, mm-hmm. but I just daydreamed that I was getting out of bed. I think being in that like you like you were falling asleep yeah, and I was yeah. waking up. That hypnagogic hypnopompic yes, state. Yeah. That's very powerful because mm-hmm. I dreamt. I said, well, I was not a dreaming. I was. Actually, I thought I'm walking down the hall, opening my daughter's bedroom door, flicking on their light, going to their window shade that's too heavy for them to deal with, opening it, saying, good morning, girls, I'm doing all that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really get out of bed. I thought, yeah, that would be nice if I did all that. Right. But then I hear, I hear these little voices, mm-hmm. like, and like they're talking to each other, and then they're saying something, and then pitter-patter of feet running toward my room. I'm still under the covers. And then they said, "Mom, what are you doing back in bed?" <laughs> <laughs> wow! I'm like, I'm like, See? and then I had, then I got up. Like, what? What do you mean back in bed? I, I you're like, who woke you up? You did. Like, what? <laughs> I go in their room. The lights on. They could have turned that on, but right. they never got themselves up. And but most of all, uh-huh. the curtain was up. I just oh, got wow. goosebumps. Like, what? And they were probably too small to be able to open that by themselves. So no, they could not had, do that. It was heavy. Yeah, it, it was a very ornery kind of a thing. You had to pull down just the right amount, and then it's heavy, had some heavy-duty spring action. Right. And then it would go up, and if if you just yanked on it, it wouldn't do anything. It would just go down, down, down. Uh-huh. <laughs> it uh, took finesse, yeah. I bet they were. Did you ever tell them what the, about that story, what it was, or did you just kind of let it go? I let that one go, yeah. but they would but they would frequently find things in uh-huh. unexpected places. They would lose something, mm-hmm. and then I would... I would just teach him, just say, hope for a reality shift. Right. He would walk around the house saying, wish for a reality shift, hope for a reality shift. And then, boom, then there are their shoes on top of their pillow. Or, right. you, know, and that, you never put shoes on a pillow. Right. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So they, they would see that stuff all the time. Because uh, kids are very open-minded. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So let's take a break real quick. I want to get into the Mandela effect. This stuff is going to blow people's minds. So we'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. More with Cynthia Sue Larson. It's the Phantom Radio Podcast on RadioCharlotte.com. There's a force in the universe that makes things happen. All you have to do is get in touch with it. Radio Charlotte. Hey, everybody. It's Ren. Hope you're doing well. I know it's been a while since we had a chance to talk, so no time like the present, right? So I really appreciate all the emails from all of you out there listening that uh, wrote in to to see how we were doing, wondering kind of what happened to us there for a little bit. But uh, COVID-19, yeah, it's been been a crazy year, and a lot of things have changed uh, this past summer. And unfortunately, the Radio Charlotte radio station had to shut down permanently because of that. Now, we're an advertiser-driven radio station so we depend on advertising to to pay the bills and COVID-19 hit just like other media companies TV stations newspapers radio stations that advertising revenue kind of dried up which is understandable because many businesses out there didn't know where their next dollar was coming from so just like many businesses around the country we had to pivot we had to figure out okay what's the next step what can we do to align with our goals and keep moving forward one step at a time so a lot of free time on our hands there for a little while so we completely redesigned the radio charlotte website 
no longer a radio station, but it is now a fully functioning podcast site. So now you can browse through every episode of the Phantom Radio podcast and a whole lot more. Just this month already, so many people have reached out to me from around the country that want to be a guest on the podcast. So we have a lot of stuff planned for the rest of 2020 and into 2021. So really cool things coming here real soon. Radio Charlotte is an advertiser and listener-funded project. So if you'd like to promote your business on the Phantom Radio podcast, reach out to me anytime. Ren, R-E-N-N, at RadioCharlotte.com. And if you like what we do and you want to make a donation, you can find the Donation tab on the Navigation menu at RadioCharlotte.com. So on behalf of myself, our hardworking and dedicated staff, we truly appreciate your support. We always welcome your feedback, and thank you for being you. Radio Charlotte. on RadioCharlotte.com. It's Ren, and we're here with Cynthia Sue Larson. We're talking about the Mandela Effect, and it's pretty cool. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but quantum physics is starting to prove that some of this stuff is actually happening. There's starting to be some scientific confirmation that we're not going crazy. It's actually happening in the world that we live in, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first... Now, I know, Cynthia, you've been asked this question a million times. Here comes a million and one for all those out there that are listening that don't really know what exactly is the Mandela Effect. Well, it was originally named for the fact that people were remembering, not just one or two people, Mm -hmm. lots of people uh, were calling, for example, Art Bell's uh, Mm -hmm. radio show. He Mm -hmm. he he was the host of Midnight in the Desert. Legendary. And he got so many calls, faxes, because it was back in the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. He thought maybe 80s, but even hearing about it for a long time, that people were saying, why is it that Nelson Mandela is alive now when, so, when we remember right. he passed away? He was mm-hmm. incarcerated in jail. He died there. And there was this whole, there's lots of people remembered more details to it, too. And... Art Bell, uh, he talked to me about this in mm-hmm. 2001, April 2001. We, yeah. He was asking, would I call it the Mandela effect? Uh, this fact that people could be dead, but now they're alive again. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that that's just part of what I call reality shifts, a very specific part. Mm-hmm. And, but it, I would call that particular varietal an alive again experience, yeah. just like I write about in my book, Reality Shifts, when I notice Larry Hagman, the yes. 
Yeah. The actor, I Dream of Jeannie. Dallas. Yeah, Dallas, mm-hmm. because he was J.R. Ewing. Yes, right, yeah. right. I loved I Dream of Jeannie. Oh, yeah. But the thing was, uh, it was surprising to me because he had definitely died and yeah. then he was alive again. That For me, that was the first one. And then there were so many others that um, I, but, but people somehow locked on to that Mandela effect mm-hmm. name, which I think Art Bell was the first one to really call it that that I yeah. ever heard. But then um, Fiona Broom popularized it mm-hmm. some 10 years later, 2010, and then it really took off after that. And so it took off in the sense that people around the world started noticing changes in product names. Like for, they would remember something like Kit Kat had a hyphen yes, in the right. name, and now it doesn't and never did. And uh, so that's products kinds of things. They would notice changes in movie dialogue. Yeah. I love Star Wars. Star Wars. That one was the one that got me more than yeah. any of the others because, you know, as a kid, Star Wars was my life. The Force, traveling the galaxy, meeting all these different beings just seemed normal to me for some reason. So I knew those movies backwards and forwards. I even had a one of my uncles took me on a, a date with him and, and his date to watch Star Wars. And I knew it so well that I was speaking the dialogue line for line as if I was reading a script all the way through the movie. It was a horrible date for him, but but I had fun. So, <laughs> I was going to say, that's when, amazing. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> How funny. So I, when I uh, went back many years later in my adulthood and watched it, something just seemed off from it. I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. Something seems different about this whole thing. And I got to The Empire Strikes Back and that very famous scene where Darth Vader tells Luke, uh, that he is his father. What I yeah. heard blew my mind because it used to be. How did how did that go? Well, some of us remember it mm-hmm. used to be, and you know this is James Earl Jones, right. deep, deep, resonant, booming. Right. And I saw that in the theater the first time before it got re-released, mm-hmm. and it was definitely Luke. I am your father. Exactly. And it just gives you chills you right. know, to hear James Earl Jones' voice saying that. Now that is not what it's saying, mm-hmm. and it never was. And right. it doesn't matter which version of it, nor because the purists will say, "Well, you know, they changed those movies." Yes, they did, but mm-hmm. not that part. Right. And now it says, um, "No, I am your exactly. father." Exactly. And this even caught James Earl Jones off yes. guard because he he remembered yes. the dialogue having been, "Luke, I am your father." Like everyone, like well, not everyone, like so many of us. <laughs> it's not always everyone. It, and that's an interesting aspect. When I was back in college, I worked at this um, kind of a high-end convenience store and wine shop. And James Earl Jones was working on a movie in town. And his hotel was right across the street. So he would come in almost every night to pick up a few things. Sometimes he'd get a bottle of wine and go back and read his lines, you know, for the next day. And so we got to know each other kind of well the time he was there. And we would talk about Star Wars and obviously, you know, being a Star Wars yeah. fan. Um, and he never had a problem with talking about it. Whenever he was out with family, sometimes, you know, they they need their family time, which is understandable, so it wasn't always appropriate to talk to fans about it. But hanging out in the store, yeah, we would talk Star Wars all the time. And one of the nights he came in, the store was empty. It was just me. He walked in the door, and he said, Luke, I am your father. And I said, yes, James Earl Jones, <laughs> yes, Luke, I am your father. Yeah. So going back and seeing the movie and finding out apparently that it has never been Luke, I am your father, that it is no, I am your father, blew my mind, and I I still don't believe it. It just sounds weird for those of us who saw it over and over. Like, mm-hmm. and for me, the first time I saw Star Wars, I had meant to go to the um, to Cal Expo. I lived in Sacramento mm-hmm. area, went with my best friend, but we saw the movie theater. We were we were in the science fiction club 
we just looked at the movie theater next to the Cal Expo. Then we look at Cal Expo, look back at the movie theaters showing Star Wars premiere. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> and obviously we were going to see Star Wars. Right. The funny thing is, we didn't leave. We didn't come out of that theater. We just stayed. It would the move. The credits would roll. We'd look at each other. It would no words. Just like, yeah, we're gonna watch it again. <laughs> we're not leaving these seats. <laughs> There's another one in Star Wars too that that blew my mind and, and I'm having a hard oh, time yeah. with still is C-3PO. You know, C-3PO right. is a golden droid. Um, I uh, had the little action figures and toys when I was growing up. I always knew C-3PO to be a golden droid, but apparently right. he has always had a silver leg. And I went and back and so looked cool. online and did research and that's all I found was this silver leg. I'm like, no, right. this is not right. This is not right. Did you save your toy? Um, cause I do, yes. I have it. It Have is still gold. It? Yes, it is still gold. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. I mean, I'm glad it stayed gold for you. <laughs> there's something disturbing because often, as you know, what happens is the items themselves can change to accommodate this right. new, this new to some of us reality. Like now, because I sure don't remember C-3PO having a silver leg. Exactly. I don't even know which one that would be because if you ask me, it's like, and I know that they show it that way, but I, it just I can't quite get on board with it. No. It's like no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like when you look at it, like no, that's not my C three PO. That's some knockoff version. <laughs> <laughs> but there are other movies too, like uh, one that uh, I found recently. It's been a thing for a while, but uh, Field of Dreams. Oh yes, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. But now apparently, it's if you build it, he will come. What? And it's always been like that. If you watch the clip of the movie, I watched it the other night. I looked it up out of curiosity, preparing for this. And sure enough, if you build it, he will come. Who is he? Exactly. Now, if you'd seen that, like, they show in the trailer for the movie, like, okay, do I want to see this? And who is the he? You know, it raises right. questions. Right. Who is this person who's going to, is it like some major league baseball player? Right. Well, what is this? Is it God himself? <laughs> you know, who is the he? Because <laughs> in the movie, it was they who came. It was <laughs> always know? they. And that, yeah. then you don't have to I mean, then it's obvious. They will come. Yeah. People will show up. They get games. They get players. Uh-huh. They made sense. He is very surprising, but interesting. A couple other movies, too. Uh, Forrest Gump is one I just learned of. You know, the famous line from Forrest Gump. Life, life is like a box of chocolates. But right. it was never life is like a box of chocolates. It's... Life was like a box of chocolates. And then that it finishes, you never know what you're going to get, right? Yeah. Now, at, at, we had an International Mandela Effect conference, mm-hmm. and one of our speakers is a Canadian artist, mm-hmm. Kimberly Lynn Hansen. And she brought an exhibit, including a piece of that. Um, several of the ones we're talking about mm-hmm. were right there in the exhibit. Field of Dreams was there. Yeah. Uh, the Box of Chocolates was there. Um, you know, Darth Vader was there. Yeah. And um, when she got, to, she did in her talk. She talked about there's meaning to these. Hmm. It, you can actually see that it's closer to truth with the changes in many cases. Right. When you look a little closely, you can start seeing it. And with the box of chocolates, this is this is the one that I love the most. I think, like if you think about it, it went from life was like a box of chocolates. You mm-hmm. never know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or that's what it is now. Mm-hmm. But it used to be life is a box of chocolate. Right. You never know what you're going to get now. So what it's changed to is, yeah, it used to be that way. Life was like a cho- box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Right. It's like perception has changed a little bit. When you were when the movie was big and you were we were all younger, 
we're kind of experiencing life more in the present. Now, looking back on it, we're kind of looking back at the past. So the term changed to was a past tense term. It also might it gives an interesting suggestion that perhaps mm-hmm. we can create our own reality. Mm-hmm. In that sense, you can keep a positive mindset and get, move into a positive you know outcome right, by right. the focus of how your perspective is aimed. And that's what I thought was such a positive message in her talk with her art. Um, you know, just little. Um, it was just a beautiful gathering of pictures, paintings that she'd created right. with this um, neon frame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. like, congratulations, humanity! You've made it. So that was the message. It was really cool. And she presented that in Ketchum, Idaho, Sun Valley area, um, November 2019. Wow. And this will be part of an upcoming HBO show that's oh, going to wow. be. Yeah, it's, um, it's premieres this Friday, but mm-hmm. I think we're going to be episode three, but it's a humor show, so it's a yeah. docu-comedy. It's How To with John Wilson, mm-hmm. and I, I believe it's going to be episode three. It's about memories, yeah, and yeah. so he's a comedian. You know, I'm sure he'll be making fun of it, but it's great to bring the topic of the Mandela Effect out, and he'll be featuring that exact conference with that art exhibit and everything. So oh, wow. I don't know what's going to happen, but that'll be interesting. I'm going to catch that definitely. That sounds really interesting. There are a couple of others that kind of blew my mind as well that I think some people that are somewhat familiar with this have heard of or may recognize things a little bit differently. Fruit of the Loom logo has changed uh, in the past. That's you know a group of you know fruit. And it was in a cornucopia. And I remember as a kid going to Thanksgiving dinner at my grandparents' house, and my grandmother, as the centerpiece, had a cornucopia with fruit coming out of it. And I thought to myself, hey, that's the fruit of the loom thing right there. That's funny. I'm seeing it here in person. But apparently the fruit of the loom logo never had a cornucopia. It's just the fruit by itself. And I'm thinking, how in the world has that changed? I remember specifically based on that memory. I remember it, too. And it's interesting that um, people can recreate what we all remember, even though it supposedly never existed, because there are different... When you look at a logo like that, Mm -hmm. and there's such an important key element missing, that that could be open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. Like like if people said, well, you guys are... This just can be simply explained that you're confabulating... You're filling in blanks in your memory of something that you think is there right. based on some other associated right. memory. The but mind tends to, to fill in the blanks when it's unsure of something. That's true. Yeah. It does do that. However, why would we be filling in the blanks with this particular kind of cornucopia? Right. So we all agree, yes, that's it. It's not like there's a lineup and, and people are picking all over the place. Like, well, it could be one, any one of these ten different things. Brands rebuild themselves all the time. There's always rebranding. You know, from Coke to Coke Classic and New Coke and all those other things. Uh, so when you see something like the Fruit of the Loom logo, that's what I always thought it was. Oh, they just they were rebranding. They were changing things around. Same way with the yeah. Jiffy peanut butter. I always remember it as Jiffy peanut butter. I asked my mom. She used to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. What was the peanut butter you used to use? And she said Jiffy. I said, exactly. Right. But apparently it's never been Jiffy. It's only Jif, J-I-F. So I always thought, well, maybe it was a rebranding, but apparently it was <laughs> never, ever Jiffy. <laughs> yeah, that one's funny. And then Kimberly Lynn Hansen said, well, you can explain that one. What's jiffier than mm-hmm. yeah, jiff? And that would be jiff. So it's right. gotten more, <laughs> even jiffier. It's very short. <laughs> so you think some of these things that are, are uh, happening or changing, it's it's kind of like as we grow and evolve as human species, there are terms that are a little more outdated and our memories tend to go more with what's, what's current, kind of like... Uh, 
you know, Oscar Wilde's book, I've heard you talk about this before, A Portrait yeah. of Dorian Gray. It's always right. been a portrait of Dorian Gray, but now if you go and look it up, it's now a picture of Dorian Gray. We don't use the right. word portrait as much anymore. It's kind of like, you know, my grandparents saying, hey, did you do your arithmetic homework or who are you courting now? Well, it's dating. It's not courting. <laughs> exactly. So maybe that's part of it that we're just kind of updating certain things that kind of fit with our current time. Well, it's definitely a real phenomenon. Mm-hmm. So I think we're agreeing this, the Mandela effect is real. Yeah. And having said that, you know, what's driving it? I think you could be onto something there. Another piece of it, when you get to the physical changes in our bodies and mm-hmm. so forth, that's where, you know, it's kind of really shocking to a lot of people. Right. Like when our heart is now closer to exactly the center of the chest. But I remember right. in the United States, we put our hands over our heart and the uh-huh. school teachers for the Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of each school day, they, the teachers would use a learning moment, like, okay. oh, put it over your heart, which is slightly to the left of yeah. center. Yeah. So we're all putting our hands slightly to the left of the center. Now that doesn't make any sense because uh-huh. the heart has moved to the center of our chest. Same way with kidneys. But it didn't, yeah. But it didn't used to be there. Mm-hmm. So Like the kidney punch. Things, you know, in boxing, it was illegal one, to do a oh, kidney punch because it right. was... You always remember the kidneys kind of being in the, the lower parts, kind of around the lower back. Uh, they were vulnerable. Now, yeah. Yeah. Now they're not there anymore. That's an illegal area that's still oh, called right. a kidney yeah. punch. It's still don't do that. And we know or we think we know why, but the kidneys have moved to some, you know, slightly safer area. They've gone up. Right. <laughs> we're getting out of here. This is dangerous. <laughs> so these experiences, you know, with the, the Mandela effect with with public things, kind of a collective consciousness that we're seeing in memories from people. It also happens kind of on a, on a personal level, too, in our daily lives. And we talked about this a few minutes ago, losing your keys. Anybody who has a set of keys has lost their keys. You put them down in a place where you always put them at the end of the day when you come home. You go back to find them. They may not be there. You search the whole house. You go look on your couch cushions. You check your pockets. You look around, and they're not there. But you come back to the same place you looked in the first place, and there they are. Where did they go? (laughs) Right. Yeah, where did they go? And, I I mean, nobody can really answer that for Mm -hmm. sure. But this gets to that core concept of that just one of those things that Mary Rose Barrington, I think she was the first one to write about that, covering and documenting it with fastidious detail all the way in the late 1800s up to the late 1990s. Um, She was on it, tracking it. I didn't know about her until this year, 2020, but uh, she definitely gets credit for that. And then we've got Tony Jinks at the University of Sydney, Australia, Western Australia, and he has been calling this the disappearing object phenomena. I right. just want to give a shout-out to these researchers yeah, because they've been absolutely. doing some amazing work in the field, unbeknownst to me, because I've been doing this for 20 years, yeah. and then I find out, whoa, we've got new research, well, new-to-me researchers. But thank goodness, I think that's part of the phenomenon. I think mm-hmm. just me wishing, like, I w- wish that we'd been tracking this longer. Well, yay, now we have. <laughs> now you have all of a sudden. <laughs> kind of willed into in existence. Yeah. Right, people I've never heard of are now there. <laughs> I've talked to my my brothers on on occasion just about things in the past. We are talking about a World Series uh, the other day. They are three and four years younger than me. And when you're kids, that age difference is huge compared to what it is now. You know, you're learning and growing. You're on your own journey. So them being, say, four years younger than me, uh, I have more knowledge and experience and a different perspective than they do. So we may, even though we experience history, we may see it kind of in a different way. So that kind of uh, explains part of it, too, I think. Well, 
you mean it explains it in the sense that um, our perceptions are, are very much a key part of this. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get to the physics, I want to talk about it's not just the observer effect. It's the perspective of the observer right, right. is everything. And that's what we can play with on our own is noticing if, you're, if your keys, for example, are missing. A lot of people, and I've noticed this over the last 20 years that I've been doing my monthly newsletter mm-hmm. through the Reality Shifters website, I've been... That's one of the key kind of phenomena is someone losing their keys. And a lot of people would mention they lost it. They, they couldn't find them because they were in a big hurry. Right. They needed to leave the house right away. Yeah. They're kind of frazzled. Their energy is spiky and mm-hmm. off the starts, but they're not grounded energetically. In other words, they're not relaxed. They're not right. chill. They're not mellow. They're not in that good mood. They're jangly. They're just yeah. revved up, <laughs> jangly, and not grounded. Mm-hmm. And that's when they lose their keys. Right. Of right. course. And then they check everywhere, check everywhere, and then once they calm down a little bit, then typically the way it usually goes, they'll check someplace they know they checked before. might even be the very first place, Mm -hmm. and there they are, right where they definitely weren't. And nobody put them there. It was not like somebody, no prankster was playing a trick and hid them. They disappear all the time. Yeah, well, in one reality. And Mm -hmm. this is where the perspective of the the observer comes in. Mm -hmm. Because notice it makes a big difference what energy level you're in. True. Whether you're grounded. And you mentioned your experience with that rain, putting your hands up at the 45 degree angle Mm -hmm. and suddenly the rain really slowed down. Mm -hmm. But you're in that good mood. Yeah. Exactly. And there are other, um, I experienced something last week, actually. There was a, there's a little bar that's a couple blocks from, from here. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and just a couple blocks away, and they always made a really good cheesesteak. It's not like Pat's or Gino's in Philly, but it is a really good cheesesteak, and I've had it so many times before. And I was thinking while I was working during the day, oh, man, I haven't had a cheesesteak in forever. I'm going to go over there tonight, see a friend who's a bartender, and have a cheesesteak. And I get over there that night and say, I'm going to do the cheesesteak. And she looks at me kind of funny and says, we don't have a cheesesteak. Like, what are you talking about? I've been here. We, we've talked about this. I don't get green peppers. You say you don't like green peppers. We share that in common. I've had this cheesesteak. And she said, no, it's never been on the menu. We've never had it here before. And she even asked uh, another friend that was working, have we ever had cheesesteak here? No, never had it before. All right. So that's okay. There's another glitch yeah, in the matrix. Right. Something's not right. <laughs> Oh, no kidding. And I described some of my personal experiences, uh, like with a restaurant. I mentioned this in my book, Reality Shift, mm-hmm. when conscious changes the physical world, where I was visiting a restaurant in Yountville, California, in the wine country, and they used to have, I, I noticed what a strong pig theme they had going. They mm-hmm. had pigs in the artwork, up on the walls, pigs everywhere. And it was noticeable. It, it's just like you go into a restaurant, you can't miss it. It's like, there are a lot of pigs here on the on the walls and everything. And then the next time I came back with um, my husband, he, we were, um, I think at the time I wrote the book, he was, we weren't married at the mm-hmm. time. But anyway, I come back with, with him, and he's allergic to pork, mm-hmm. which may have something to do with what happened next. Mm-hmm. What happened next was there were no pigs anywhere oh, wow. in any of the art, on any of the walls. Of course, I asked the waiters and wow. waitresses, several of them. You know, did you change? Did you redecorate recently? Mm-hmm. I just didn't want to say what it was I was noticing. Right. They, they looked at me puzzled. No. Like, seriously, you haven't changed anything in the last year or two. We haven't changed anything. Wow. Like, nothing, no art, nothing? Yeah. And then, then I, I can't help it. I'm like, the pigs? What pigs? <laughs> we don't have, what are you talking about? Right. We don't have any pigs on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 
Wow. It's wild. Yeah, and like for you, the, mm-hmm. you remember all that about the peppers and all yeah. the details. details. And where would you be coming up with that from? Right. It's not like you go somewhere else. Is it not, is it not, you know, it's definitely that waitress, definitely that cheesesteak. Yeah. I asked a friend about it, too. I said, hey, man, you know, we've been here before. We've had the cheesesteak. Don't they have cheesesteak? Yeah, we've had it before. Well, apparently they've never had it. So that's not in this current reality. Confirmation from another friend, you know, that, that it was yeah. there. There's another, um, I guess, uh, a year, a little more than a year ago, um, my place has very high ceilings. There's uh, in one part of it a loft. Um, up uh, near the ceiling as well, and the smoke detector is way up at the very top of the ceiling, so I have to have a ladder to be able to get up there and, and change the battery. And the battery was going dead, so it started beeping and beeping, and it was just that annoying beeping that would not stop. So I remember I had to go up in the the loft area. Uh, the smoke detector is so far out from the loft that you know I couldn't reach it with my hand. I had to go and get a broom handle to get back up there and reach and touch the the smoke detector and kind of hit the little button to turn it off until I could get a ladder to change the battery. And a couple of weeks ago, it started again. So it's been a year or so, and the thing started beeping again. I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't have a ladder. I'm going to have to do this again. So I grabbed the broom, climbed up to the uh, loft, was getting ready to reach out and hit that little off button, but the smoke detector was within arm's reach now. I didn't need the broom. I could just reach up within arm's reach and change the battery <laughs> like it was nothing. I'm like, wait a minute. I remember having to take a broom up here and reach out as far as I could to hit the off button so it'll stop beeping. But now it's <laughs> right here. What the heck is going on? And it's not like you remodeled or no, anything. No, no. And you didn't move the smoke detector to a different location. Why else would I take a broom all the way up the stairs to the loft? Uh, you know? It just did and it's not, not like sense. some similar house. Right, right. I just kind of looked yeah, around me and where, said, thank you. <laughs> right. Well, this is where the confabulation explanation doesn't hold water for me. And that's mm-hmm. why uh, so many of us are now stating quite clearly the Mandela effect is real. Yes. And the, the significance of that statement is profound because it basically says that we do have access to these alternate realities. Mm-hmm. That, you know, whichever explanation people might prefer, and there are lots of preferred theories as to why is this happening and what's going on. Right. But um, whichever one you go with, I think it's just a very important starting point to mm-hmm. acknowledge, first of all, yes, this is happening. Mm-hmm. We are literally experiencing different realities. Like like with, with you at the broom handle. Yeah. There's just no way you'd have that memory. That's not some similar cover memory like some movie you saw. Mm-hmm. This is a real thing because usually these batteries die in the middle of the night, right? right? Yeah. So it's like it's a very memorable experience. Like, oh gosh, I don't want the ladder now. <laughs> Where's that broom? You know, <laughs> it's like a whole thing. <laughs> well, the good thing is we're starting to figure it all out. Quantum physics is starting to explain. Why this kind of thing is happening, how this kind of thing is happening. We'll talk more about that in just a few minutes after the break. The quantum physics behind the Mandela effect. That's coming up next. You know, there's a lot of things in life, and there's a lot of things that aren't in life. And one thing that's in both of them is Radio Charlotte. If you're having relationship problems, need dating service, or, well, just don't know what shoes to wear with that outfit, call in and talk to us. That's right. The Tan Line, 704-TAN-LINE, 704-826-5463. Give us a call. You can leave a voicemail. You can send a text message. Just, you know, no no drunk text. Not, not, not that, because, you know, just 
No. Okay. All right. Mm, who's texting me? Oh, my God. Yeah, you like that? Radio Charlotte Roadhouse. Podcast on RadioCharlotte.com. We're talking about the Mandela Effect with Cynthia Sue Larson. And we've talked about all the strange things that we kind of remember as a collective, movies and things like that, where certain things have changed all of a sudden. But not just changed, but they were never the way we thought that they were. And we talked about uh, individual experiences, some strangeness, things like that, that. That happened to so many people every single day. We may brush them, brush them off and say, eh, you know, I don't know what that was, uh, but uh, okay. But the reality is uh, quantum physics is now beginning to explain what all this is, why it's happening, what it is, and uh, proving that it's actually a real thing, which is pretty amazing. So my question, what I want to know is, you know, when you have a, a shared conscious memory, something that we all remember, like... Uh, scenes in movies or brands or whatever it is and then you end up with a changed physical reality what is actually happening what's going on and that is the $64,000 question right. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on like, like Lucy never uh, like Ricardo ne- never said to Lucy you know you got some explaining to oh, do oh yeah 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 so many things are different now and Yet we remember the way things never were, and and that leads us to wonder, is that evidence of perhaps a parallel alternate reality? Mm-hmm. And I would say it definitely does seem to suggest that. Uh, yeah. When we go to physics to get some kind of solid support uh, for what's going on, mm-hmm. um, that's where even within quantum physics, we do not yet have an agreed upon interpretation of quantum physics itself. We, The math works. The, you know, we can build nuclear reactors mm-hmm. and atom bombs, and now quantum computers. But I think until the quantum computers, we never had to worry well, mm-hmm. about or concern ourselves much with the actual theory as to what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think for the first time, we're getting pushed into needing to really put some more thought into this right. because of the quantum computing, because right. of artificial intelligence. You know, finally, we're getting into areas that it's not just a bomb. Not that mm-hmm. I'm not putting bombs down, but it's not just that. It's mm-hmm. not just a reactor. We're not just harnessing something, but we want to know what is actually happening. And yeah. honest to goodness, we don't yet have an agreed-upon interpretation. Okay, so there are several front-runners of what might be happening, and mm-hmm. people hear about parallel realities that would correspond with Hugh Everett III's concept of basically um, the many-worlds interpretation. Mm-hmm. And there are many different interpretations of this interpretation, but basically, that's the one with the alternate realities, with the concept that there could literally be many side by side, like like pages in a book, right. various possible realities. And 
if each page in a book is a 2D flatland, you know, mm-hmm. then you're flipping through them. We live in a three-dimensional reality. Right. Um, so it'd be a very four-dimensional book that we're flipping through. But it's just all these side-by-side realities. And technically, we may have as many as ten dimensions, which at that point, our minds go boing. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, what does that look like? Hard enough conceptualizing three yeah. or four. Eck. <laughs> so, um, so we don't really... I, I like that idea of the parallel worlds mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. I also really am a big fan of the holographic interpretation, mm-hmm. which was uh, the top proponent of that was physicist David Bohm. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that one has to do with the fact that everything is connected at a very mm-hmm. deep level. Yeah. And you can feel it if you ever do massage for your whole body by massaging one of your earlobes. Mm-hmm. Just, um, it's like there's a little, like your body is imprinted on your ear upside down, like mm-hmm. a little person in a fetal position. So mm-hmm. you can do acupressure and, right. and fix your stomach problems or right. whatever. Because your body's all connected, yeah. and we we see this all over the place. It's, we're living in a holographic cosmos, and there's evidence that things are connected. Mm-hmm. On the quantum scale, we see evidence of it in things like spooky action at a distance, mm-hmm. where quantum entanglement. Yeah. Yes, you can take one, you can measure one particle, and absolutely know what the entangled particle mm-hmm. is doing. You know what position it's in because mm-hmm. it's entangled with the one you just measured. And they've proven so, that yeah. they've they've done an experiment uh, to connected particles you know on opposite sides of the planet did one did something to one and the other all the way on the other side of the world was affected fascinating that's right and it seems like faster than light communication which is troubling to a lot of physicists because they're trying to bring together um you know relativity kind of physics of the the physics of the very large Mm -hmm. with the quantum physics and it's been difficult to put it lightly (laughs) to bring those two together so when they do that then they that, that that little that presents a bit of an issue for like what the heck how can right. how can it have information faster than light how right. did that happen? We all experienced uh, you know twins or have a connection that a lot of people don't and they can be separated and kind of feel each other know when something's a little wrong and even uh, partners you know husband wife uh, boyfriend girlfriend whatever it may be even pets sometimes if something is wrong with them or if if they've had a good day you can almost sense a shift in their energy you have that connection. A little bit more so. Yeah. That kind of explains some of that. Makes sense. Oh, it definitely does to me. It seems like it makes sense. And you can also be entangled with, uh, fam- with it's not your blood family, mm-hmm. but these are you know, chosen family yeah. and close friends. And you can know before the the phone even rings, the phone's about to ring, then you can know who it is right, uh, exactly. when, you're, when you're that connected. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You think like, about yeah, them when they call? <laughs> that's right. So people experience this quite a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a very common kind of thing. And actually, it looks like that's the way nature operates, right, according right. to a lot of these quantum properties. Yeah. You know, we see evidence of it um, with the things like our sense of smell. It seems to be working due to quantum teleportation. Mm-hmm. We're capable mm-hmm. of smelling just one molecule, and right. it's kind of teleporting to be able to, for us to pick it up. Yeah. And plants definitely have been proven to follow a quantum random walk oh, yeah. so they're when they're photosynthesizing it's like navigating rush hour traffic but they're mm-hmm. just going to the right solution instantly yeah. as if they already tried everything right and that's how our quantum computers will be working so nature is not it doesn't have little quantum computers inside of birds and mm-hmm. plants and everything it, it's just built right in that mm-hmm. nature itself it's a is operating 
Yeah. Yeah. Consciousness is um, prevailing, and there's definitely something big going on because it's uh, nature basically appreciates that you can run through all these possible realities um, simultaneously. That's what a, a quantum random walk, mm-hmm. it's like in the very few steps, you can go from one corner of a chessboard to the other as like a beeline, like yeah. you're just zooming across the board, like you teleported almost. Yeah. Whereas if you do a usual coin flip process of going left, right, left, right, you, you end up in the same place. Um, right. So with classical, a classical random walk, gets you almost nowhere, mm-hmm. but a quantum random walk scoots you in the right direction, like instantly. And right. that's what nature is doing. Yeah. So people that are listening to this, you know, it's all interesting and fascinating, but I'm sure there are people out there that say, okay, well, where's the proof? Show me some proof that this is what it is. And back in 1986, uh, they did observe the very first quantum jump. So they've actually seen it happen. It's been a couple of decades but there was actually proof that it actually happened. Yes. And um, that would be the definition of quantum jump, the way physicists would agree that mm-hmm. it really was a quantum jump where they're witnessing with their naked eye that right. there's a change in energy state of a, you know, of a quantum particle, which mm-hmm. could be an electron or a photon. And in this case, it's, they were looking at an electron just sort of blooping right. into and out of um, reality. Like, there it is, then it's gone. Like, wow. So that's extraordinary, just the fact that it was something that could be witnessed. Because that word quantum in the field of physics, mm-hmm. that means it's just a discrete quantity, therefore quantum, quanta, mm-hmm. of energy. And it's proportional in magnitude to the frequency of its radiation that mm-hmm. it's representing. And so therefore, quantum mechanics is that branch of mechanics dealing with these very tiny subatomic particles, but they're also pure energy. And it also gets into that wave-particle duality, mm-hmm. gets into the uncertainty principle, mm-hmm. gets into the correspondence principle. And that's where things are so interesting. Mm-hmm. And the reason that a lot of people, like myself and you, are looking at, okay, can we? how about explaining the Mandela effect with mm-hmm. quantum physics? Can mm-hmm. we do that? And it looks like, um, you know, we're, we're definitely getting closer to that place. And in, ni- okay, 2019... Mm-hmm. Carlos Bruckner at the University of Vienna, Austria, was working in collaboration with a team of scientists and also with scientists at the University of Edinburgh, Scotland, and they were able to prove something that should have... This, to me, is the biggest news of the decade, Uh biggest news of the year. What they showed is two observational devices at the same place, same time, observed two different things. And that, in a nutshell, is what we're talking about with this Mandela effect. And it's when the you look Wigner's at the friend experiment, right? Is that what it was called? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Because they're just riffing on the idea. Like, okay, for people who are not familiar with Wigner's friend, that's this is a concept. Um, okay, then we have to start with Schrodinger's cat. So right. Irvin Schrodinger, <laughs> <laughs> he was the, the physicist who came up with this Gedanken experiment, uh-huh. uh, just a goofy to him. He's right. like, well, yeah. let's let's go reductio ad absurdum. Let's let's take the uh, if if you're saying that a quantum particle can literally be in a superposition of states. It can be here and not here. It can be spin up, spin down. It can be smeared over all possibility like a wave function, or it can be a, a particle. A particle. Yeah. yeah. If you're saying all that, then let's get ridiculous and let's put a cat in a box. <laughs> and We're <laughs> going to put the cat in a box with a vial, a little glass vial of mm-hmm. poison gas, and we'll have a triggering mechanism that's 
based on a radioactive isotope that can randomly decay at some unknown to us random rate. Mm -hmm. That means as long as we don't look in the box, we don't know if that cat is alive or dead. It's, right. Now, no cats were harmed. This is a hypothetical right. yeah. thought experiment. Uh, and so so that's the explanation of the uh, Schrodinger's cat, that it's both alive and dead. It's in a superposition of states, yeah. like you bilocating your actually at home, mm -hmm. grounded, but mm -hmm. somehow, somehow you're at the mall. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. And so now there's a majority of physicists that agree that, yes, you and I and everyone and everything are in that superposition of states. Yeah. Yes. And, um, okay, but going back to Wigner, now we bring in Eugene Wigner, another mm -hmm. physicist, because he's saying, saying, like, okay, that's bizarre, yes. It's weird that a cat can be a superposition of states. But what about... Uh, because then you're saying it's the observer that makes the call mm -hmm. as to whether the cat's alive or dead. You find out when you open the box. But then Eugene Wigner, being very clever, said, what if there's someone observing the observer? <laughs> right. So that, that makes it fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that was the basis for the experiment that was conducted. Because then you've got these two observers, and they do not necessarily see the same thing. Right. So then who is correct? Who is correct? Right. And it has exactly. to do... With the observer's perspective, yeah. the level of observation, the level of self, it, it brings up all kinds of interesting questions that I think need to be addressed. And there was also NASA's uh, Anita antenna, and uh, that was a, was it Antarctica where that was, and there was some proof that that um, there may be a parallel universe, or that they have uh, intersected or collided. Yeah, it looks like um, like there are particles moving in the opposite direction that we would expect, right. which indicates. There may be some parallel universe where, as weird as it sounds, time might literally be running backwards. Right. This has been hypothesized before. Mm -hmm. So if, there's, if that's one possibility and we're picking up evidence of it, well, that's pretty phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And even Stephen Hawking, before he passed away, um, he was co-authoring papers with Thomas Hertog, mm -hmm. another physicist. And in one of their papers, they were basically saying that quantum physics itself denies the existence of a single history. Right, so right. what that says is, at, at the very fact, whichever interpretation you're going with, we know for sure that there were many, many possible Big Bangs. So that means right. there are many possible paths, like C-3PO with a silver right, leg, or, right, right. or all gold, James Earl Jones saying, Luke, I am your father, right. or just, no, I am your father. Yeah, this stuff's trippy. Mm -hmm. When you look at your real life and think, this is, what reality is not what we thought it was. Right. <laughs> Right. And there's some proof in the, the cosmic microwave background, too. There's some like, cold spots. Yes. So when they looked at cosmic microwave background, and I covered this in my book, Quantum Jumps, mm -hmm. that, that was interesting because scientists are observing. It's kind of like um, like a sonogram for mm -hmm. a baby um, universe. Or <laughs> it's like, okay, we can see the picture here. and We're looking at your universe, and we're seeing um, you can kind of pick up the background of what's, what's going on around. Mm -hmm. And it looks like, for sure, there's like the presence of something else. It's not just us. There's more than just this universe. And you can see the um, some sort of evidence of that in that cosmic microwave background radiation. Right. Is this all proof that manifestation works and exists? Well, definitely, is my experience, yes, that if mm -hmm. you are expecting something, if you need it, like if you're looking for that needle in a haystack and mm -hmm. you need it, and you and you also love it. You can feel a connection, a, um, like a real bonding with it. Yeah.
and you can visualize I'm finding it, then you can absolutely find that needle in the haystack right. pretty much every time, against all odds, yeah, yeah. which is what I was doing as a child, finding right. things like that. Right. So that's clearly evidence to me that, yes, you can do that. And I know so many people that have um, been able to reverse or cure incurable cancer. Oh, my right, grandmother, yeah. she had that experience, and I know several people who attended my talks or workshops, and then... And and they're big on that law of attraction, and yeah. they've been meditating for years. One one gentleman was given a cancer diagnosis, and it was a pretty bad prognosis. Like, well, this is not good. You've got prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. But he had attended my t- my talk about quantum jumping. He was asking, "Is it true I can just like you go between trees?" Mm-hmm. He said, "What if I just literally jump? Would that work?" I right. said, "Absolutely, that yeah. would work. You can jump into a new reality." So he was jumping in the elevator, going up to see his doctor, right. jumping, jumping. I'm in a new reality. And he gets checked out like, wow, you do not have prostate that cancer. That is so, amazing. And, th- and that you don't even need the trees to walk or, you know, anything like that. But jumping is one way. You can mm-hmm. also just walk down the hallway in your house. Like many of us go, we stand up, go to a different room, can't mm-hmm. remember what we went right. for. <laughs> well, what if Every when you're day. walking out that <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just of your your hallway is that's a time travel corridor. What did I come in here you're, for? You're, huh? <laughs> you're manipulating time and space, right. and you're walking into literally a different reality. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So this is totally quantum jumping toolkit. Very 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 use, useful and practical. And I've you know I tell stories in my book High Energy Money about with my daughters. Kids are great again. Um, just needing to tip a waitress and being mm-hmm. able to pull out dollar bill out of dollar after dollar bill out of my empty wallet. Oh, wow. I mean, I'd, I'd look at it like, well, that, there's only one dollar bill. Well, first there were no dollar bills. Yeah, yeah. I was explaining I would like to tip the waitress in cash because that, that's how she works. She earns money that way. My daughters were quite young, like, okay. They're just like going with it. But I said, but I don't have any money. So I'll close my wallet. Mm-hmm. And I would just wait a few seconds. I said, but it would really be nice. We, we need to tip her some cash. So yeah. let's look again, shall we? Yay! So open the wallet. There's a single dollar bill. I pull it out. We all cheer. I put it on the table. Close the wallet. I wait a few seconds. Like, I think I should check again. What do you think? We need another one. Yay! Check again. I just pulled out dollar bill after dollar bill out of my magic wallet. It's not really really a magic trick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You need to teach me that one. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, like, that's what the high energy money book Uh is about. When you need that, some people, it goes with your belief system. If you believe... Money can just show up for you. It could because look yeah, at look yeah. at your my gosh, you keep rain off things. Yeah. You're by locating, you know. You've got if you can vanish your cheese steak one day, it'll come back. I know it will. <laughs> your just, smoke detector is easier to reach. I mean, look at what you've done. So you know, obviously, you can play with money. And I've had like a thousand dollars show up in my bank account oh, wow. that I needed. Yeah. And I, I used to work for a bank, so mm-hmm. then I do the forensic accounting, like, okay, they made a bank error. Mm-hmm. Yes, I need that money, but there's obviously been a mistake. Right. But but I could find no trace that it had ever entered the account. It yeah. had just suddenly yeah. always been there. Yeah. Like, really, that's all. I I know for sure it wasn't, but that I'm not, you know what, no questions asked. I'm good with this. <laughs> People worry and stress, um, especially in difficult times like I'll, like many have experienced this year, but if you really take the time to stop and reflect over your life and you think about some of the difficult times, you'll realize that things have always seemed to work out just the way they should and everything is okay. If there was something you needed badly, more than likely it, it came and worked itself out. So looking towards the future 
and in the present, you know, it doesn't help to, to stress and worry about it because things will work out in their right time as they should. It's just about, you know, living a good life and just trust your heart and be a good person. Uh, have that intention for the best possible outcome. Just live your life with love and uh, for to help others as well. And those blessings will continue to come. Those realities will continue to shift and you'll find these things happening more and more. Yes. And that's why I like to remind everyone to always ask how good can it get? Right. And it's not sarcastic. It's not cynical. Yes. You can ask it when things seem like they're, they're just hitting the skids and they're, instead of saying what next, you know, mm-hmm. I know there, that's a natural human reaction. Um, just try something different. Don't ask what next, because yeah. that you know that brings on what next. We don't want to go down the downward spiral right. any further. So what you do want to do is say, "How good can it get?" How good can it get? How good can it get? That and just uh, at first, it may seem like you're forcing a smile, that that mm-hmm. weird kind of a strange half smile. Right. <laughs> like is that a smile? What are you doing there? Mm-hmm. So it may seem a bit weird, but I just, I really encourage it. And then when things are going well, keep asking how good can it get? Right. Because each of us in our hearts, well, I love what you said there. Right. You know, trust your heart. Don't worry. Don't stress. Right. You always get what you need. Yeah. You can always, you know, things always work out. Mm-hmm. And it's really true. You know, how good can it get really invites you to be how good can you be. Right. And to be in alignment with that innate intrinsic goodness, which is, you know, the source of everything for all of us. And it's absolutely real. I'm going to start using that. How good can it get? Yes. That is amazing. So the last question I want to ask you here, just based on everything that we've talked about, showing that that it is real, this is happening, uh, showing how we can make these things happen, do you feel that as a whole, as, as human beings, as human race, that our collective consciousness can really change the world? Absolutely. Yeah. I know it has, and I know it's um, been part of this. We're very much a part of all that is. So humans sometimes have hubris. We sometimes fall victim to our own pride, and then we get ourselves in trouble, and Mm -hmm. then we... Once we're painted in the corner, then help. (laughs) So not going into specifics about any of that. Mm -hmm. We know what that is. So, So I would say, yes, of course. We are, each of us, connected to everything. Each of us has so much more. I won't call it power per se, but we have so much more connectivity, so much more communication with everything. Yeah. We're so looked after, so loved, so cared for. And we can, if you, I love what you said about always, you know, take a look carefully mm-hmm. at those times when you think like, well, I got through just barely. Right. Recognize that you did get through yeah. and we are always being looked after. Our yeah. needs are being met. And that's if you look at the spiritual level. Yeah. That's a very high level mm-hmm. to take a look at. But that's the key. It's just, I believe traumatic experiences are there to challenge us to grow into a larger sense of ourselves. And I believe that's what the Mandela effect is here for. It's to show us, here's a toolkit, and you guys can do this. It's like we're in the play box, the sandbox, right. and we're, we're just, we got a new toy. It's like, wow, we're bilocating. Wow. Right. We're teleporting. Wow, things are manifesting. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so fascinating. How good can it get? <laughs> How good it. can it get? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk today. Again, I could talk to you for hours about all this stuff, and uh, maybe we can do another one uh, down the road a bit. But uh, two of the books, uh, you have several, but two I want to specifically mention that people should check out Reality Shifts and Quantum Jumps, uh, your website, 
um, again, is realityshifters.com. And not only can you get the books, but you can watch uh, videos that you've done, interviews, uh, some of your presentations, uh, and, of course, many, many stories and experiences that people have shared with you about these kind of things that are happening in their lives, too. So it's not just happening to you. It's happening to all of us, and there's proof on there. So realityshifters.com, you can check that out. Please, please check it out. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, definitely keep in touch, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Ren. Absolutely. Cynthia Sue Larson, that's it for the Phantom Radio Podcast on RadioCharlotte.com. It's Ren. If you want to reach out to me, Ren, R-E-N-N, at RadioCharlotte.com, or call the TAN line. Leave a message, 704-TAN-LINE, 704-826-5463. And remember, whenever you're in a position to help somebody, Be glad and always do it because that's the universe answering someone else's prayers through you. I'll talk to you soon. Good night, Blue Eyes. machine that can travel anywhere in time and space doctor who sure does have a thing for modern day london it's bigger on the inside bigger on the inside is it phantom radio charlotte